Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. Today we're going to be doing episode 9. Doing episode 9 today. Uh, out of the message, we were in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 through chapter 3, verses 5. Um, Steve preached a great sermon, in my humble opinion. And uh, we were talking about uh, Paul and his desire to be with those at the church at Thessalonica and how Satan hindered them and Satan putting up roadblocks sometimes when we seek to do gospel ministry and he did this for Paul and then Paul found a way around it by sending Timothy and whatnot but we want to focus on what do we do when there are roadblocks uh, to our to our gospel work or sometimes Satan puts up roadblocks he likes to hinder the gospel being furthered um, but I'll also get into later sometimes God stops us from doing certain things as a result of our pride or our sin or um, whatever it may be. So, Steve, any introductory thoughts you want to offer on that? Yeah, in the sermon, uh, we talked about how Satan has a tendency to hinder us, uh, specifically from that scripture in verse 18. Uh, and we gave the definition uh, from a Bible commentary that says, to, to hinder somebody is to cut a trench between oneself and an advancing foe to prevent his progress. Um, and I know you're going to get in this in the scripture. You're going to pull up here in just a minute. Uh, but the key, there's a couple key words even in that definition. Um, the enemy is cutting a trench. So he's, he's creating an obstacle uh, for the foe to get across. And I, I like the, the phraseology used in this where it says an advancing foe. So the, the reality is that it's not just somebody sitting there. <laughs> in order to be a true foe, you have to be doing something against somebody. So in this case, being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, we're advancing the gospel of Jesus. We're moving with it. It isn't just sitting still. It's movement towards Christ and towards others. And that is when the enemy knows this is an advancing foe, so I've got to cut them off somehow. I've got to keep them from advancing any further. So he cuts a trench to keep us from doing that. And I thought that was kind of helpful for me, at least, when considering uh, when it comes to this specific topic, um, that if you're just sitting on the sidelines, the enemy's already won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this case, they, especially what you're going to bring up scripture-wise, um, the enemy really only has to cut a trench or hinder us if we're actually doing something. And so um, just kind of be aware of that going on here, uh, spe- uh, specifically with uh, what Satan's uh, up to in the scriptures you're about to share uh, when it comes to uh, advancing the gospel. And that's the focal point as believers as we advance the gospel with this specific case um, with Satan hindering us, um, you know, we, just to be aware of, of that context as we kind of read some scriptures here forth. I know you had something in Acts that you wanted to share, uh, so let's let's jump there if you don't mind. Yeah, so just to kind of set the backdrop, we're going to be in Acts 12 uh, for a brief moment. Peter has just, um, he had this uh, weird vision from God that he was trying to figure out what it meant, and as we, uh, this takes place in Acts 10, and then eventually all of that culminates in Peter opening his mouth to the Gentiles and proclaiming the good news 
of Jesus Christ. And right after that, uh, the spirit falls on the Gentiles. And so obviously, like, Peter is Peter's a big threat in the kingdom of God mm-hmm. to Satan. He, he is an advancing foe, and he's doing the gospel work. He's doing the gospel ministry. And, I mean, just, again, in the context of the Gentiles, like, this was crazy. Um, this would have made Satan pretty upset. Mm-hmm. And um, you go uh, through chapter 11, and then in chapter 12, it says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And so we see Peter, again, this, um, he, he is moving the gospel forward. He is an advancing foe. He is a threat mm-hmm. uh, in the kingdom of God uh, to the prince of the power of the air. And sometimes Satan's, sometimes the enemy's roadblocks or his hindrances, um, we tend to like over-spiritualize them at times. But Satan used a man, used another person uh, to hinder Peter, or he thought he was hindering Peter. He used Herod uh, to arrest Peter and also kill James. Mm. Um, and yeah, just just reflecting on that, like, again, like you said, Peter wasn't on the sidelines. Peter was advancing. He was an advancing foe, and then he was imprisoned for it. Mm-hmm. And just pausing to make the point, we want to be a threat um, with how we proclaim the name of Jesus and embody his presence to the world. Uh, we we want to be a threat to Satan. Um, and when we walk, when we seek first the kingdom of God, where we work, live, and play, we are. And so mm-hmm. he's going to hinder us. And so how does Peter and the church respond? Because obviously uh, they would have known, the, uh, the church was aware of what was going on. The Christians in this time were aware that uh, James had been killed and Peter was imprisoned. And so how did they respond? Um, In verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by whom the church. Mm -hmm. Um, So they responded by earnestly praying. And I'd I'd say, like, how do we respond to roadblocks or hindrances that Satan puts in our lives when we are advancing the gospel? I'd just say pray and watch. Uh, Earnestly pray to God for the ability to keep moving forward and watch for him to work. And as, as it goes on in the narrative, uh, Peter has Peter's uh, sleeping in the prison and an angel appears and the chains fall off his hands and it's just this dramatic scene and then he uh, leads Peter out to freedom. And I just think it's a, a great picture, a great full picture of Peter's gospel ministry, Satan's desire to hinder it, and then Satan thinking he hinders it and then God, um, via the angel, the angel setting Peter free from prison um, after they watched and prayed. So, yeah, the enemy uh, doesn't relent usually, and so I'm sure as you continue to read on, the enemy is very busy with um, Peter and Paul and all the disciples and and uh, all the followers of Jesus. And so, 
uh, it doesn't surprise us when we see narratives. I, I think it's really helpful that you point out in this case, Satan used another person because uh, sometimes we miss that. I think we miss that um, he's busy in the lives of a lot of people. And so we got to be very watchful and aware, like you said, be prayerful mm-hmm. and watchful and aware of what's going on in the hearts of others. Um, and then also it seems to me like if, if I were to put myself in <clears throat> Peter's place, the church's place for just a moment, um, I, my, my initial response after hearing of somebody being murdered for the gospel uh, would be fear. Hmm. That'd be my fleshly immediate response. Um, like suddenly all these thoughts, am I, do I truly have the conviction to be a follower of Jesus to that point? Um, and so it'd be very natural, I think, for most people— uh, to begin to question their faith, you know, is this worth dying for? Uh, and and the fear could could really creep up. And I think we have a we have a tendency as humans to naturally focus in on that, right? We we feel it like there's an emotion, there's a, a guttural response, a physical response, a spiritual response. All those things come forth from that reality. And so, how do we interact with it? And I like how you point out. I mean, Peter, uh, they're praying. Earnest, the church is earnestly praying, and we can't miss that word, I don't think. It wasn't just like, hey, Lord, you know, <laughs> keep us safe. You know, do what you got to do. Amen. It was like, no, we're earnest, like mm-hmm. unceasingly praying for uh, for God to intervene here. Mm-hmm. And so they were dedicated to the continuing, wow, there's another Steveism. I'll just have to change the word completely. Continuing to advance the gospel um, and not backing down. Um, but they did so without ceasing to pray. They would not quit doing that. And so I, I appreciate you pointing that out. So that's helpful, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that passage? No, we want to move on to First Peter. Yeah. Are we thinking of somewhere else first? Well, I'm curious as to, um, so, and I know you're going to bring, the, maybe your intention is bring this up later, but when we think about Satan, mm-hmm. um, the scripture that you had pulled up maybe earlier before we started this about his job, what he is after, what he does. Would you mind mm-hmm. sharing that scripture now? Sure. Yeah. It's kind of a segue maybe sure. to some degree to, to the next part. Cause right now we're focusing on what the devil does, what Satan does, the enemy does uh, to hinder us to create roadblocks. But who is this guy? Yeah. Well, in John chapter eight, uh, Jesus has a bit of a lengthy teaching. Uh, he's, he's talking to Jews and, um, I'll read the preceding passage as well. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is in verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And there we see a link between uh, Jesus' words and truth. Again, Jesus goes on to say later in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus, he operates with truth. He is the truth. They answered him saying, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And he answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. If the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus, again, sets free with truth because he is truth. Uh, the son sets you free. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. Um, Jesus' words find place in us when we see them as true. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. And here's where things get a little dicey for the Jews. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. 
This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Getting reference back to my words have no place in you. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. The devil does not stand in the truth, which means that's not going to be a way that he works because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And there it's like the devil is the father of lies. So I think one of the primary ways that Satan is at work, even in these Jews who knew the words of Abraham and they were talking about him and having this discourse with Jesus, had a extensive knowledge of the Torah and Old Testament writings. He's saying, you're of your father, the devil, and, you're, and the devil is the father of lies. The primary way that Satan works is through lies. I was just recently reading a book. I actually just finished it. It's called Live No Lies. I recommend it. Um, but the, the guy's basic thesis is the way the devil works is he um, gives deceptive ideas that come from him, again, lies, that play to disordered desires, and that's our flesh. Like, he, he tells us lies that kind of satisfy our, our flesh. Satisfy. That's a Steveism. No, that's a Jordanism my, now. <laughs> that's a Jordanism. <laughs> Deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. That's kind of a mouthful. Essentially, the devil works with lies that our flesh really like, and then he, that's normalized in the world, and that's how we sin and do the things that we do. Um, and that's, I think, again, kind of like the way that he worked through Herod to hinder Peter's path. Um, and I know we're going to get into First Peter later, but it says that he prowls around like a lion. Um, a lion is trying to trap its prey so that he can devour it, seeking somebody to devour Sometimes the way Satan traps us or imprisons us is just getting us to believe a lie. He just wants us to believe his word more than we believe God's word. He wants us, he wants his voice, the lies that he tells to be louder than the truth of Christ. And it's deceptive and he's really good at it. Like it's not, it, it's hard. It, he's been doing it for thousands of years, essentially. Like he's, he's, he's gotten pretty skilled at his ability to get us to believe things that aren't true, and that's how he can hinder us and destroy us. And he knows human nature very well, right? And mm -hmm. so it's interesting you bring that up, because as I'm rereading uh, Acts 12, I mean, Satan obviously intended, like, when when Herod kills James, Satan's like, I will put so much fear in them, they're not going to keep doing this, advancing the gospel and following Jesus anymore. And we talked about this, what, you know, what Satan intends for evil, God intends for mm -hmm. good. And so in this instance, you're like, well, that's such a huge loss, and it is a huge loss for James but James is, you know, to be absent here is to be present with the Lord. And so he, in, a, in an interesting way of looking at it, he actually received his reward mm. earlier than others in yeah. some ways, you know. Uh, and so what Satan intended on happening was like the hush, maybe the gospel would have to, you know, cease. The fear would overcome everybody, and the church would just sit silent on the sidelines and not mm -hmm. be a threat anymore. That was most likely his tactic uh, when you think about 
utilizing fear and murder and death and things along those lines. But what what he intended did the opposite effect because of the power of God. Uh, so instead of the church becoming um, full of fear and backseat, they got on their knees and, and lifted it up to the Lord. And God answers their prayer you know, in a mighty way by delivering uh, Peter from prison in, in, in a supernatural way, which affirms the fact that God is basically saying, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. You know, I will provide for you, even if it's a, a quick ticket to heaven right now, or if it's me providing a way out for you to remain on earth to continue to proclaim the gospel. Either way, I'm with you. And I think mm-hmm. it's really helpful to consider, you know, that the enemy is doing everything he can to impede the gospel. And God's saying, I've got this. You know, I've overcome the world, and so I'm with you. And don't don't back down. Keep pressing in. Um, so the, the real thing then for me then is, as I brought up earlier about fear, is that what is my response to all this? My, res- my response has to lean back towards God and say, you're a faithful, good God. And no matter what Satan intends to happen here, I'll, we need to use this for your glory, no matter what happens. And I've, I've had a number of, of people um, that have written me throughout the years and even recently that have said along the lines of uh, whether cancer or relational issues or whatever it is, um, choosing to remain faithful to God because they believe God's faithful to them and going to use this for his glory in some way, shape, or fashion. Even though I can't see it right now, I know that he will use this for his glory. And so I want to be uh, not allow the enemy to get the praise in this. I want God to get the glory. Mm-hmm. And it's a mindset and a heart frame. Your, your heart being framed in such a way that says, in the end, no matter the outcome, um, just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, and a go in the fire, you know, no matter the outcome, we want God to receive the glory. He's with us. Um, and he, he, will, he will show his presence. Like you said, mm-hmm. watchful in prayer, which we're going to see here in just a little bit when it comes to First Peter. But those are my thoughts, I guess, as you're talking about the, the enemy specifically here. Mm. I'm not sure if we're going to have time to get into First Peter, which is okay. Uh, do you have any other thoughts when it comes to uh, the enemy? Yeah, we kind of made this point earlier, just like being a threat. And if he impedes your way, then that means you are a threat. I mm-hmm. think like if he's impeding your gospel ministry, it means your gospel ministry is that gospel ministry. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, you mentioned fear in our response. And if, if Satan, like when Satan hindered Paul in first Thessalonians and when Satan hindered Peter here and hinders the apostles many times throughout the book of Acts and has hindered many throughout church history, um, it can in part be received as encouragement, even though it's, a cause for fear and it's a cause for potentially suffering. It's like the work you're doing is valuable to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're in a season right now and you're listening to this and you feel like a Satan's hindering your work, um, we can grieve that and we, we ought to grieve that. Um, but also it means that you're being effective. Mm-hmm. And I think how we handle ourselves in that, those situations, it's in, like you said, it's, it's, perfectly proper and acceptable to mourn and grieve and to struggle. I mean, that's, that means you're alive. You're not alive mm-hmm. if you're not struggling at times. Right. Uh, but then, yeah, to definitely be mindful of what the enemy is up to, um, and the desire to submit even this circumstance to God, uh, with hopes that somehow he will receive praise and glory and honor from it but it's based upon how I react and respond is what like God does his part. I do mine and others do theirs. I'm only responsible for my part. I can't control God. Mm. Uh, thank, thank the Lord, right. That I can't, but 
Uh, he wouldn't be God if that was possible. So all I can do if I'm laying in the bed sick and injured or in depression or whatever it may be, and not to downplay any of those things whatsoever, um, is to still bend my heart towards God mm-hmm. and continually remind myself of his goodness and his faithfulness um, and to kind of replay things in my mind to to remind my heart and my mind of the, the ways that he's answered in the past and to just bring those to the forefront. Because um, if we're doing things without thinking about them, even in a positive manner, like if you're not considering why am I doing this, then it's really it's not much behind mm-hmm. it. And so to reflect is a good thing. I just had a conversation with an individual today talking about how as a midlifers, I doubt I'm beyond midlife if we're honest, but the potential of midlifers, if we're thinking about that, you begin to look back more than forward in some ways because you begin to say, what can I have learned from where I've been that can now inform me to where I'm going, but also be fully present where I am. Mm -hmm. And so you have enough time behind you uh, to be able to draw from experience in life and things you've gone through to say, okay, what, what can I learn from that? How can I move forward? And I think, um, speaking of Satan hindering, I think that we may have a tendency to miss reviewing, mm. reflecting even. Mm. And um, and I'm sure part of their prayer was was that. And I think going forward with the church, I mean, you bring up church history, and I think we have done a huge disservice, I think, to not remembering where the body of Christ has gone before us mm-hmm. even and reflecting on God's goodness in spite of martyrdom. Mm-hmm. in spite of uh, hardships and poverty and just struggles. And in our current culture, unfortunately, the enemy has gotten into uh, a lot of different things within the church, uh, USA and beyond, abroad, and has distorted, I, I personally believe, distorted a large picture of who he is and his character and nature in his name. Um, and so we can look back in church history and, and see that as well. So how do we restore back the image of God even in, in his bride? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the enemy up to right now? How is he trying to continue to keep our eyes away from him and in, in past ways that God has provided uh, a way forward for the church mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of distracting us from the fact that we got to return back to the roots? I mean, the Revelation says, you know, return back to your first love. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so I believe that in order to do that, what do you have to do? You have to remember. Mm-hmm. You have to reflect. You have to be drawn back to uh, the first things uh, within your faith journey. I think as a body of Christ, we have to do that as well, um, mm-hmm. which is a larger subject. But any other thoughts before I continue to trail off into a 30-minute diatribe on how the church needs to get back on track when it comes to uh, loving their loving uh, the groom again? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's great that just to add you mentioned the church throughout the years facing opposition and Christian throughout the years facing opposition. Um, when the church has faced opposition, when they've faced hindrances, I mean, it literally happens here in the book of Acts. Um, like we just read, it happened with Paul, the continuing ministry. When we respond to hindrances, uh, to roadblocks from the enemy to impede gospel ministry, when we respond to those faithfully, Historically speaking, the church grows. Mm -hmm. The church becomes stronger. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you think about like the worst possible thing that could happen. Martyrdom. Um, There's a um, quote from the early church that circulates. um, 
I'm blanking right now, which would make my professors upset with me. Um, but uh, you can make up any quote you want now. So, well, not on the quote, but on the source of the quote. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Basically, the blood of martyrs is seed, is the way it goes. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. like it's the seed in which the church was, um, thrives. Um, it, like it, it somehow. What, what, again, it's what Satan intended for evil, God intended for good. And mm-hmm. so if there's hindrances in your life. Um, there's hindrances culturally uh, to the advancing of the kingdom. Um, it's not a time to cower back with the light mm-hmm. and, and walk into darkness. It is a time to lovingly embody truth in our culture. Mm-hmm. And when the church has done that historically, uh, when we reflect on that, we ought to be of good courage because it's often ended in more people coming to know Jesus, more deep communion with Jesus, all those things. Yeah. It creates movement mm-hmm. and uh, you have to be really cautious to keep your eyes on Christ because there can also be this movement back towards self, which we'll hit another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely true. Completely the quote true. was from Ignatius. I knew you'd get it eventually. Just if I chat long enough. And fill time, you'd you'd find out who they you come back. Yeah, there you go. Good deal. Uh, any closing thoughts, practical applications, or anything along those lines as you as we're thinking this through? If we if we encounter hindrances, let's pray and be watchful. Earnestly pray and and be watchful for God to move and redeem and uh, reorient our path. Absolutely, and it means that we have to believe in the power of prayer anyhow, right? Mm-hmm. And the power of the one we're praying to. Um, trusting that God in his in his time and in his might will answer um, and in his way, which is the hardest part sometimes. Um, we may end up uh, like James or we may end up Peter. You know, it just really depends on, on what God's up to in that instance as well. Um, in either way, um, we're with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's ultimately what, what matters uh, to do right in the Lord's eyes and to seek his will and and to live it out. So thank you so much for listening. We had intended on doing another whole part, but we will save that for another podcast. Um, Having to deal with God and roadblocks. When God puts a roadblock in your way, we'll hit that next time. Uh, So stay tuned. Thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions or feedback please feel free to reach out to us as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come we encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of god where you work live and play blessings